Hey guys, what's up? It's Lizzie Jane, and we're back with another podcast. This week, I have Matt, also known as DMVU, joining me on the podcast. We talk everything from his recent releases to Dome of Doom to upcoming music on Memory Palace, his new tour with Toadface starting the week after next. He has so much going on. He just smashed Red Rocks a few months ago. I actually had no idea he lived in Denver until he played the EPROM show, which was so dope. I'm always so surprised by how many incredible artists and talents and creatives live in Denver. So he has been in Denver for the better half of the last two and plus decades. So we got to talk about Denver, uh, the music scene and everything else in between. I am so excited for you guys to tune into this one. Without further ado, this is Lizzie Jane and you're tuning into my podcast with special guest DMVU. Hey guys, so lately I've seen a ton of larger shows I've been playing at that a lot of these festivals and venues are no longer allowing bags that are not clear. Well, guess what? Lunchbox Packs is coming in clutch again. They have just stepped up their anti-theft bags by releasing a fully clear hydration pack and snack pack. This is an absolute game changer for your summer festivals and events. Each bag is made out of TPU material that is incredibly durable, flexible, and made to not alter under extreme sun exposure over time. You also have the option to bring a skin in your bag on the way in, and once you're through that security line, you can zip on your skin for privacy of your belongings and to add some extra personalized fun flair. These hydration packs meet the majority of all festival regulations and guidelines. As always, these packs have all of the awesome anti-theft features as the original hydration and snack packs. Make sure you use code LizzieJane for $10 off any hydration pack and code LizzieJ for $5 off any snack pack. I will see you at the rave. The show today was brought to you by Vitaplur E-Boost Gum. With no pill to take or powders to mix, Vitaplur E-Boost Gum is a first-of-its-kind energy rave supplement that provides magnesium, electrolytes, and antioxidants while you chew. Vitaplur is the perfect complement to my active lifestyle, whether it's at the festival, on the road touring, or hitting the gym. Chew Vitaplur and dance with confidence. Use code LizzieJane for 10% off any order. Matt? Thank you for coming on the podcast today. Yeah, I'm glad we finally got to do this. I feel like I've wanted to like sit down and talk to you for for a while, but I just had no idea that you you lived in Denver. Yeah, I I think a lot of people don't. I hide. I don't go out often. I can understand that. I've lived here long enough to where like, you know, I've seen all the cool shit here. Yeah. You know. How long have you lived here? Uh, Since 1999. So like oh, yeah shit. yeah I've been I mean I was six when we moved here I'm 29 so like so before Denver was the dubstep yeah, haven before I knew what dubstep was maybe before dubstep existed I don't know I don't know if 99 is the right like time frame but yeah probably probably oh I remember God. I was super into like Britney Spears and NSYNC and six years old look at me now look at you now dubstep look at you now dubstep one forty shit. Hot beatbox all the time. I actually have to try this now because I'm going to feel okay. so bad Look, if it's room temperature. It's not the worst. We need like a crushed ice. They go like the chair and the beatbox like pair well together. So I learned about these was Lost Lands posts. I've learned so much from Lost Lands. Oh, okay. Fucking- <laughs> okay. Cut.
interviews over. God. Um, yeah, you were not at Lost Lands this year though, no, right? I wasn't. I did it three years. Did you have did you have uh was was FOMO at any moment? The thing is, I always get FOMO when my friends do anything. Yes. I'm like, that's how I feel. It's weird. I didn't have FOMO for Lost Lands. I had FOMO for like sitting backstage and drinking hot beatboxes with my friends. You know? Exactly. And like Lost Lands is a fucking spectacle and a half, you know? So the first times I was at Lost Lands, I was like just kind of in awe at every like subgenre having its own culture there. Yeah. It's kind of like those memes that you see where yeah. it's like, what lunchbox table are you at? <laughs> yeah. Or what yeah. lunch table are you at? And then you've got like all of the different genres, like everyone there is represented. And it's funny because like I do I do get why people who haven't been, they're like, it's all like the same bad music. And like from afar, I guess it appears that way, but I learned at Lost Lands how many like different fucking subgenres of like rhythm there are. And it's like, right? You can learn a lot there, you know? You really can, and you can wander. And if you are not like a main stage baby, you actually learn a lot. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it's, yeah, people are nice too. People are really nice. People are really nice. They definitely watch out for each other, but you've been on the go, go, go. I've been going. You have a tour right now yes. with Toadface. Yep, yep. Dude, he was one of the first, when I got into EDM, like 18 years old in Orlando, it was the only place that like experimental music existed. Like the 40 ounce cult guys. I was going to say, yeah, like Hanao. Hanao, yep, Hanao. They used to have those underground parties. I remember Toadface played this like, festival and it got shut down and then there was this house in orlando that used to throw these like renegade parties is this and married to the rave yes i played that also yes yeah no I, I played that dude show. do you remember that shit how oh wild God. that was well, and i remember it was like me in like essex and saruta and Toadface and like yep. nasty nasty and like we all showed up to this venue and they're like we're switching venues last minute and they switched us to this like strip club yep and that was the first time. So I had just started traveling at that point, And my agent was like, you should get paid before you play. Yes. I was like, that's scary. You shouldn't tell me that. And I was like, okay. So I like go to this guy like who's near the door. Cause I knew he was like, he was the promoter, but he like drove me around. And I was like, Hey, I need to like get money before I play. And they like went to the door box and just handed me this wad of twenties. I was like, I didn't expect that. And also, the show was a disaster. And then we went to a house party and Will Clark was there. House was party. So strange. Will Clark was there. I remember Toadface was like, he was playing on this huge lawn. Like they set up this huge renegade and yep. it was playing like this Iron Man flip. It was like <laughs> yeah. 530 in the morning. There were like helicopters above the property, but they couldn't do anything because yes. it was private property. Yeah. Wild. It's so crazy. Wild. I forgot about the helicopters. I vividly remember that. And I also remember it being 530 in the morning. I think Levitation Jones was there for some reason also. Levitation Jones was there. The Easy Baked Boys were there. Mm. Like that whole crew was there. I think that's the first time I met Eric and Andrew, I think was in Tampa or something. But this was like my first time like hanging out with them. They're wild. Love those fucking boys. They're crazy. Well, Eric's wild. Eric's Andrew's wild. so chill. It's like the yin and yang oh, balance. They're, they're perfect. They're, they're perfect, perfect for each other. Yeah. They couldn't, one couldn't exist without the other. No, they're absolutely not. And then they just did... Ogden Headline, which was oh, seemed know, fucking so wild. Not only did they do Ogden Headline, they did it without an LCD screen, which is so... Really? I, I love that. So I don't know if you saw any videos. They just had a really cool light set up. It was like these like sticks, these like thin 
light. Ooh, that reminds things. me like bands, like metal yeah, bands. Yeah, no, it was. It them. was very yeah. band set up. And like, yeah, it was like lights and lasers and these cool, it looked like the ceiling almost, but like the stage. And I think that's very important for the culture to like not always include a TV, you yes. know, like. When it's just about the music. I'm not hating on cool visuals. Don't get me wrong, but it's important to digress from like overstimulation sometimes and you know just enjoy good tunes and some flashy lights absolutely and what better to do it than eric and andrew i know fucking boys i know they're the boys they're always such a good time last time i was in atlanta with them we did a stop on the big g tour when they were doing direct support duties and we went to deaf after for the first time and eric was just like let's go he had his girl with him andrew was there we all piled in this car and oh. then all of a sudden we're in this alleyway and it's like here we go so have you ever done one of their parties no i haven't um i'm trying me and gina little sake have been trying to let Ooh. convince them to let me and him do one together Dude. um yeah so I've, good I've little wanted, snake is so good he's well he's like i hold him on the level like like he's good but he's like makes me afraid because i'm like i'm like oh shit like this is where the bar is like might as well just hang out with you instead of trying to, you know, yeah. <laughs> do anything, do anything remotely. Let's just done. be homies. Yeah, it's easier that way. I feel but. like the culture has definitely not shifted, but there's like such a space now where like you yourself have the down tempo kind of phase of your project. Yeah. And then you also have like what you did for EPROM, like yeah like 140 yeah. like that set was just so wild thank you thank you that was yeah it's i'm torn between the two constantly because i mean i've always released chill shit and i grew up in denver so obviously dubstep is i think it was unavoidable that's why i didn't make only chill shit like being a teenager in denver the only thing to do was go to dubstep shows but it's made me you know, torn inside because yeah. I can't do both at the same time. People are like, why don't you do both? And it's like, you can't play chill shit and dubstep in the same set. Like, you can't. No, people it's think, hard. People think, like, it's a good idea, but it's not. It's like, kills the fucking vibe. Have so. you ever tried it? And then you're like, fuck, this is I've tried it work. like, house parties and, like, for the homies. And, like, yeah, it just, it doesn't work. Like, there's probably two people there who are like, this is so sick. But for the average crowd, you can't just play, like, a banger and then something sad. Like, you can meet the middle ground. is like, millennium and shit, where it's, like, sad bangers. But cry bangers. I can't do the cry bangers. I like bangers, and I like crying. It's not, yeah. I don't want to blend the two. And I think millennium's as opposite of, like, 140 yeah. shit well, as you could possibly be. Funny story. I did an E-Tuesday battle against millennium. It was, like, me and Sodown and millennium when I was, like, 16 years old. Because he's from here, too. There's yeah. so many people who are, like, yeah. from here. Yeah, yeah, and it was like he won because he brought like this was back when E Tuesdays were judged by like bring people and if they yell when they say your name like that's the winner and like it was Lenium. I'm not going to beat Lenium. He brought like half his high school class. I was just like a little dubstep kid. He was all shy, but yeah, it was he was there from the beginning. Absolutely, I remember people. I'm I used to meet people when I first moved here. That were like, yeah, like Nick was like a barista at like a coffee yeah. shop for a hot minute yeah. before all this shit started happening. Yeah, it's insane. And it's insane. And it just kind of shows you like all the different ways that it can happen. Yeah. And also like how long it takes to actually like monetize your project oh. to a point where you can be like, yeah, I'm chilling without any other forms of income. Yeah, yeah. I think people forget that part. 
where it's like they see someone blow up, but it's like you didn't see unless you lived in Denver and went bought coffee. You didn't see the years of working like three jobs before that and shit. But you know, it's okay. It, you can't explain that to people. Absolutely. I've been, I've even got like some kid at, like the first time I played Lost Lands, I had been like, this is my like eighth year of touring. And he's like, bro, you're like you're up next. I was like, thank you. Like, I'm, it's really flattering to hear, but like, you know, it makes sense. People don't, when you see someone new, you don't assume, oh, they must have been doing this forever. And I didn't hear about them. You assume, you know, they just appeared. They just appeared. And I think a lot of people think that about festivals too. I used to yeah. go to a festival, usually yeah. like come out of like a beatbox, like, you know, alcohol container. <laughs> yeah. It would just pop up and then like EDC would be there or like yes. SMF would be wow. there. Yeah. And you're like, wow, this is fucking insane. And yeah. to like realize, the back end that goes into it and most artists I sit down and like talk with I feel like TikTok and like definitely where like social media is at provides like an opportunity for maybe people to like expedite that journey mm -hmm. but it's not always for like the longevity-ness it's for like that quick pop that's that's one thing I preach online I try not to preach online but I get passionate about things preach and like it's just one of those things like yeah people like I don't think they realize like they try and go for this pop and like there's no sustainability there. Like I, the amount of artists I've seen coming up in the past like 12 years that have gotten way bigger than me and now like don't exist. Like I just want to pay my bills for a long time. You know, that doesn't mean blowing up. That just means like slow and steady, you know, doing something tight and honest and not, I won't say selling out, but not like, you know, doing things for the sake of, doing them doing you know, them yeah content and like, for content sake. yes and like inauthentic no yeah exactly and, and you know i think especially with like your subgenre, i think people like see right past that shit they do they do scary fan base but i respect them because they're very don't take no shit you know mm -hmm. like a good like example is like the difference with like the lost lands like fan base they're like starry-eyed and young and they also like go harder than anyone like they're Bro. just they're so like innocent and like happy and love everything i feel like some other fan bases are kind of jaded and old which yeah. i get i'm jaded and old but it's easy to become a hater but the thing is if you can push through the hate and still enjoy things but still hold a standard you know and i think in that is where it's like once you're kind of educated enough to yeah. see how things are actually going yes and yes. then you choose to say okay well these are like you know control the controllables yes, i can't exactly. control that exactly. like whatever's going on over there whatever tactic it is whatever marketing it is whatever agent is picking up this hot pop it is yep. i can't control the actions all i can do is control what i decide to associate myself with yep my and, yeah my dad and my old roommate were both in aa whole thing in AA they're like yo like control what you can accept what you can and I was like wow I learned that from living with dudes who were in AA I was like wow this is they should teach non-alcoholics this advice also All the really, time. like yeah you can't control that one agent just picked up half the fucking industry on their roster and now they're all going to do shows together like oh well you know but you can control not making shitty content and putting it out exactly and like having real fans. Yeah. I think like there's so many things now and I definitely deal with it where it's like, okay, do you run through a distributor or do you run through DistroKid and like keep like 
the momentum going and keep putting out music that you fuck with for your fans? Or like, yeah. do you wait for this label to say, well, we're going to release it a year from now and then we're going to put like a stream farm on it. And then like none of the streams are actually going to be new fans. Yeah. And it's just yeah. this like fooled thing where then it's like, hey, go sell fucking tickets because you got a million streams on the <laughs> yeah. song and nobody buys any tickets. That's another huge issue. A lot of like up and comers don't realize is like internet numbers don't equate to real life numbers yeah. at all. And like, I don't have the most like plays monthly. I think I have like 40,000 plays monthly on Spotify and shit, but like I can't sell tickets, but like I know dudes who make like lo-fi hip hop and they have like 1.9 million monthly listeners, but they don't play well, shows because like, they that? don't sell tickets because people who hear their music, they love it, but they like don't know who it is. You know, mm -hmm. they just hear the song and they're like, they'll listen to the song 800 times. And those dudes also make bank off like royalties. Yes. I've make like, I'll be like, $300 a year off royalty, which yep. is pretty fucking good. Considering. But, you know, and also everything I've ever done is like on a label. So yeah. I'm not collecting like straight royalties. For 100%. Anything. It's all halved. But it's okay. I didn't, my plan wasn't to make a living off royalties because if it was, I would, did really bad. Yeah. <laughs> did, oh. Took the wrong direction. It's, but. it's in this day and age, the whole royalty thing is you might as well go for like a publishing deal well, or try to like, score or something. The people who make the most money on Spotify are people who make like white noise. So like the, the sleeping noise, the most played tracks on Spotify are like the 40 minutes of white noise and brown. Noise. Like those dudes make $30,000 a month on Spotify sometimes. And I also want to say that I love how Spotify cuts like hundred million dollar deals to podcasters now. Oh yeah. <laughs> Hey, any musicians more than like point zero 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 five seven cents a stream? It's wild. Yeah. I mean, it's a wild time we're living in, and you are so right. Where it's interesting because the social media numbers are such an obsession in like electronic dance music, especially yeah. like commercialized electronic oh, yeah. dance music, which yeah. I really will confidently say dubstep has taken that step into the commercialized circle now you know like the excision and stuff and like it's amazing because it's getting in front of so many more people but like yeah those numbers like definitely in a lot of people's minds like dictate interest whether it's from like agents or fans or yeah. popping on tiktok but you know you go out of edm and you go to bands like fish you go to bands yeah. like goose and you know they've yeah. got two hundred thousand monthly listeners they've got fifty. 50,000 followers on Instagram, but yeah. they're selling out Red Rocks four nights in a row with people, tickets for $1,000. And the people who go to those shows have been going to those shows for 30 years, that and they're going to go to those shows until they're 80, and they're going to bring their kids, kids to those shows. And like, yeah, that's it's like the same way like the police is like, hey, we'll do one show a year and sell like $200 tickets. Like, I think that's a little sus, but they can do that because people are like in for the long run, you know? Do you feel like people are not making music as like not it's hard to say like not as good because music has evolved and matured and like all this stuff but you know like my dad was visiting last week and we're listening to you know 70s 80s 90s rock on the way up to the mountains and it's like all of the like records that are still being remixed that still every teenager knows yeah and all this stuff yeah. and I feel like music like today isn't like received that well way. okay the way i look at this right so like in the 70s like you got a band right and your band has to get together and practice and write music and every time i make a song i try and imagine if i had to have five other dudes agree with what i was doing to the song that first of all insane studio time is very fucking expensive so like you can't just waste away in front of your laptop it's like Say you get five hours, like you better fucking get the song recorded and do it right because you don't have any more money. And it's like 
there was so much more, I don't want to say effort, but just so much more involved in making one song recorded than just like sitting in front of a computer and quickly writing a song like at the airport, which is crazy. And I think like, it's not a good or a bad thing. It's just like music can be made on the fucking dime right now, like quick, instantly. And I think when people were dumping their life savings and when you had five people pitching together their life savings to record a song that might work, like there was a little more effort involved, you know? Definitely more effort involved. And, you know, the the aspect of collaboration where yeah. you know exactly what you said. Five <laughs> yeah. guys have to agree on one melody, on yeah, one riff, on one harmony. And and that's gonna take like arguing and coming yes. to a middle ground. And, you know, I feel like EDM has I say this all the time, we're we're still in this box where I think it's a little bit more accepted but i don't know in your subgenre where there's like multiple writers on a track or co-writers i mean this or that like i have co-writing credits on some like i have an emancipator song that came out that like i have writing credit on and the way like emancipator did is like they would just send me like a loop and i'd like play keys over it then like add drums and send it back to them and then like when the song was done there was like 15 of us on the song and they just like it's not emancipator featuring it's just like this person on keys it's like a yeah. band you yeah know? And it's funny because emancipator is technically just like doug it's like one dude but emancipator is 30 people you know and like that i had writing credit on and i got like paid for but then like collabs are like it's different you know it's like it's a split and it's like i think collabs are for the namesake in a lot of instances and like i don't have a lot of collabs because I'm fucking anal. I don't mean to be, but I don't work well with others often. And that's why I'm a solo artist because I fucked up every band I was ever in. So I was like, it needs to be like this. And everyone just smoked too much weed. And I was like, nah. But now when you work alone, there's no one to tell you what you did sucked. So, you know. What you did sucked and you're not like waiting on anybody. Yeah. I was in a band too, very, very young. I when you said keys and drums, I'm like, okay, total band boy. Like yeah, definitely that's, was that's it, what definitely I was in a band. Were you in like post hardcore, punk pop? Oh, I was like, uh, in a metal. I played jazz. I oh, did like no marching way. band and played jazz. And then this metal band was like, we need a drummer. And I was like, I own drums. Like, yeah, I can do that. And like, wrong. Double First of all, drum. no, my yes. fucking chops on the double, not good. Not good. I was like, yo, I can like do most of the rudiments, but not with my feet. So yeah. that didn't last very long. Yeah. And also, I'm not a very metal guy. I was never into metal. My ass listened to like Coldplay and shit. Like, okay, they, I didn't okay. really, I didn't fit in with those guys. But yeah, well. they're intense. They're definitely but, intense. Um, I mean, with a band, you're just depending on a lot of people yeah. to put a lot of ducks in a row. And and at the same time, people are like growing up and like then you get like girlfriends and kids. And, and this, the issue and is, it is honestly psychotic to be like hey i want to make a living out of this so to put it that is. pressure on five other people like no one deserves no one deserves to have a bandmate who's like hey we need to work harder so i could pay my bills <laughs> with this it's like i think about that now too like damn if i had to split what i make five ways like i'd be fucking broke well look like, at the dj groups that have like three people yeah Wild. oh yeah it's yeah they <laughs> and it's fine. like turning is a great example because they have like that's why I think they have like many others, like they do sample packs mm -hmm. and they like Jack like makes synths and shit like that. And they do like Twitch streams and lessons so and like, yeah. And I feel like my lazy ass should do stuff like that. But since I'm just one guy, I'm like, oh, well, I'll just 
make dub seven and DJ and yeah, leave it at that. Well, but. you do what you need to needs to be done to get by. Like yeah, if cool. I didn't have to have a Patreon to pay my bills, I probably wouldn't have Patreon. Fair. You know, it's fair. but. If you still didn't have to do it, I feel like you should still do it. Like, you're good at it, you know? Well, there's, like, a skill set that we, like, all have that we can really, like, utilize in a lot of different ways. And I think when you're stuck in, like, the DJ world, it's yeah. very difficult to be like, hey, I actually could do this and this and this and this and this. I'm not trying to be a hater. I'm a firm believer that DJing is way overrated as far as, like, difficulty. Like, picking good songs is hard. Literally, DJing is not that hard. Correct. Like, and, like. I play a lot of dubstep, like mixing 140 with 140, like don't try and tell me that's hard. It's, you don't even gotta, like it's the same. I always said you could count to four. Yeah, it's the same, It's you don't four. even gotta move the pitch slider. So like, you know, it's, that being my main job, cause like it is my main job. Producing isn't my main job. Like I don't get paid to make songs. I get paid to like play songs. Mm -hmm. You know, I make songs to play them, but like, yeah, it's very easy job. You know, it is the rest of it's hard, like traveling, the traveling being around people when you're tired, like, financial security, that shit's hard. Like but the actual the one hour period where you're working. That's the fun part. Yeah, that's, it's fun. It's easy. It's exciting. You know, makes it worthwhile. It definitely makes it I'm worthwhile. lucky to have a, an easy job. Like if I had to be a fucking doctor. Oh, my God. I killed someone. Oh, my God. No, thank you. Literally. No, thank you. There's so much pressure and and i think we're all i saw like a tiktok the other day where we're all delusional in our own right absolutely, are you doing absolutely. this to begin with because no. people are like you're fucking crazy kind of deal i told that to my dad i was like i love and respect you for like being like you can do this but i had a kid my kid was like i'm gonna be a dj i'd be like you fucking stupid like what are you <laughs> doing and my wonderful loving parents were like yeah sure i look back on that i'm like you guys are just as crazy as I am because you told your 18-year-old son that you should try DJing. Go for it. Oh, so good. They're so good. That's amazing. Love them. I mean, yeah, there's definitely quite a few people who I've spoken with that don't have supportive parents, and I'm sure That's I what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Most people, and I would try to be so supportive as a parent, but it's insane to come to someone with and be like, what do you think? I can pay the bills with this. And it's like, you sure? Like, you sure about that? You sure about that? Oh, my God. So, you know, you definitely drop music pretty consistently. Like, yeah. I feel like you put out, you know, whether it's the down-tempo stuff or it's 140 stuff. Yeah. When you kind of, like, get into your creative process, like, are you still utilizing, like, you know, instruments when you kind of create music? You Sometimes. Know, what's your creative process? Sometimes. Like? like, I play keys on a lot of my music, and then, like, since I grew up playing drums, I have a shared wall now, so I can't play my drum set because my neighbor would fucking kill me. So I like spent all this money on an electronic drum kit. I'm like, I'm going to use this for everything. And like, I don't use it for everything. I play the shit out of it. But lo and behold, like when I'm making like some like deep 140 shit, implementing a drum kit is way less useful than you would think. But like pianos are very useful. And like, I do a lot of like chopping shit manually, you know, but mm -hmm. I like, as someone who grew up playing piano and drums, I like the removal of the physicality of production, which I think some people don't like, but I like the whole, like, I can make a whole song with a mouse instead of, like, doing physical shit. I mean, don't get me wrong, I love playing instruments, but it's very cool to me. It's hard, because 
I'm like in that same boat with you. And I feel like every person I speak with, like Roman Silver has like a dope ass studio. Oh, and he's, he's, so got, sick. he's got like so a bunch sick. of synths and a bunch of all the stuff. And he's like, yeah, like I don't really touch any of it when yeah. I'm actually making. Yeah. And it's hard. because <laughs> It's like, like we're all so far. Right. And it's like, I think a good, per- like good group to look up to in this aspect is like Glitch Mob. They post those videos where like, uh, hey, are are the like outboard gear, oh patch bits, and they're like, all of that shit is just. I saw them at Infrasound last year, and they they use that live. I'm like, holy shit! Like, didn't they kind of like reinvent their project? Oh, absolutely. Okay. I mean, the first time I ever saw Glitch Mob was they headlined Red Rocks. I was poor then. This was like 2013, and Drink to See had just come out. One of the best albums of all time. I love New Glitch Mob. I will die on the hill that Drink to See is. It's so like corny and shit, but it's so fucking sick. And yeah, yeah, I so I don't know if I can say this, but like if you can't afford Red Rocks, you climb the hill behind Red Rocks, you can see and hear the entire show. It's like here's the back row, the mountain behind it, very dangerous climb, cactuses, loose rocks. Like some dude brought a tank up there. We just hiked our asses up there once the lights went, like once it was dark. And I literally almost feel like I know where you're at because like there are hikes there during the yeah. day and shit. Oh, and you're like, oh, and like some of them are like straight there. up. Yeah. Let me tell you, you can hear the music very clear from right there and see like not the stage, but you can see the lasers and like, yeah, I saw Glitch Mob that way. And then like their new shit, very far removed from that, which I actually almost like respect more. Like I like their old music more. But I respect more that they're like taking this new like route with their people love it, which is ironic because they're doing like old shit. They're like their new route is playing like 90s rave shit, which is so good. It's so it's amazing. Like seeing them at Infrasound was life. I can't wait to see them. It was so fucking life changing. And it was really like it felt like a full circle moment. I was like, these guys are legends. And they like revolutionized electronic music, and now they're just playing like old Aphex Twin. Doing like, what they want to do. Yeah, and like that's that's it. Like that is the goal. What they are doing is the fucking dream. Is to just have people trust you enough to do what you want to do, and then what you do is tight enough for people to trust you again. Because I think <laughs> you know? we've all seen that backfire too. Oh, I mean, I've fucking done that shit. I've been like, I'm going to do some experimental and like cleared the fucking dance floor luckily there's always like one kid he's like you'll get him next time man i'm like thank you you'll but, get him next time yeah oh, it doesn't always God. doesn't always work you know no doesn't always work and like holy shit it's just it's it's really wild because you see like pop stars and hip-hop people reinvent themselves all the time. yeah oh yeah constantly. but i think a lot of times still with us it's like you have to choose, like choose what you want to do, yeah. put yeah. yourself in that box, yep. make yourself marketable, and then do the same thing over and over and over again until the day you die. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. And like, I think, I don't know, I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of weight in choosing to do something that you don't think is necessarily the right move, but it's the correct move. It's like, you know, I like there's so many instances where people are like, I don't know. Like we talked about earlier, people try and do some shit that everyone else is doing so they can fit in. And like, it's scary choosing to not do that, you know? But yep. the fear pays off. The fear pays off. And and sometimes doing stuff that's like uncomfortable yes. is yeah. very much so along the lines of like how you grow. And, and that's how 
all of the music that people like love now yes. came to be in the limelight. Great example of this is like, I really do not like doing down tempo sets because DJing, as I said, is fun. Down tempo sets, I'm playing like all original music and I have to curate it, like plan it ahead of time. It's not like DJing where I'm just like, read the room, like, let's see what I should play. I have to like plan it out and it's all music I wrote. So it's like scary as shit playing it. And I do not like playing it. And I'm on stage and I'm not having the best time, but like I've gotten the best feedback from those sets than I ever have in my yeah. entire life. And I'm like on stage miserable. And then someone like DMs me after the show. They're like, that changed my life. And I'm like, I'm glad because that almost didn't feel worth it to me. But, <laughs> yeah, because that almost yeah. ended mine. <laughs> Way scarier playing everything you wrote. Like my homies, good music. I don't have to question it. If I play their tunes, we're good. But I don't know if what I made is dope, you know? Well, and it's also like I feel like down tempo and just certain styles and subgenres of electronic music people are like watching the actual like performance aspect of it and like yep. listening. And it's like, it's not like IDM, but it's also like you're making people think. Yes. Yeah. I know anytime yeah. that I like sing or I do anything live, it's like you feel like if, if you were watching a video with the sound off, you'd be like, did she kill the crowd? Oh, but then you get off and you're like, wait, people were actually like watching you. You know, they and, were watching you perform. Like, they would watch a band or yeah, they would watch a live yeah. singer. Yeah. Growing up as a dubstep DJ, my understanding of crowd response was people, like, yelling or, like, throwing something. Or, like, mosh pit. Or, like, yeah. we're all going to die. Yeah. Like, like, we're you, so angry. You can tell when they like it. In the first downtempo set I played, I was, like, I thought I was, like, train wrecking. Because, like, people started, like, laying down and shit. And then, lo and behold, everyone loved it. But I'm, like, okay, it makes sense. You aren't going to, like. I mean, there's one kid who's just, like the fuck down. The song was just pads. There was no drums. And he's like, I was like, okay, like shout out you, but I don't expect that from everyone else. But like, yeah, it's everything I know about reading a crowd like goes out the fucking window. But you it's know, a learning curve. It's yeah, exactly. Because we're we're like designed, and especially like people we watched before we did it. It's like, is the crowd moving? Is the crowd dancing? Yeah, but yeah. now there's so many subgenres, and like I think you know, forever my first tipper event will be one of the biggest learning classes I, of my life. Oh, you played a tip? No, 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 oh. no, no. I attended. I was oh, brought okay. there by okay. my college roommate. She said, we're going to Tipper and Friends. I think I'd been to like maybe two EDM shows. When was this? This was 2017. That was the year I went to my first Tipper event also. Really? At Den Swanee? No, Denver. Oh, uh, Denver would down be different. Tipper down oh, tempo. Boy. So we did it at Swanee. It was a camping event. It was three days. And I just remember laying in a hammock and then hearing the cans, the tanks go off and just being like, yeah. where am I? Like, it was so peaceful and so yeah. serene, but it was also like so crazy. But then during his sets, like, you know, I had been to like Ritz and Amp and like, you yeah. know, like oh, top yeah. I know. 30 yeah, I know clubs. clubs. I, and I, I, I was like, clubs. well, this is different. Like this, this is definitely something different to digest. Yeah. 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 And it's funny because Tipper is a great example of like, he has the jam band crowd mentality where Tipper fans yes. are never leaving him. They will die on the Tipper Hill. And they're also, like, looks not the right word, but, like, when I saw Tipper in 2017 at the Fillmore, he did, like, three nights. It was, like, regular Tipper. He had just put out that album with a fucking astronaut on it. It's a good album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Um, and he did a tip-hop night, so he played all his, like, old 90s shit where he scratched and regular. And then third night was down tempo, and I went to that. 
And like, first of all, down tempo tipper and like down tempo DMVU, not the same fucking category yes. at all. This shit is still like so production heavy and percussive and like people were fucking smoking DMT and people like bought blankets and we're laying on the floor. I'm sitting here like never been to a show like this. There's people laying down. I'm in like all black and there's like dudes in tie dye smoking DMT laying on the ground and it's just like wet sounds. And I was like, I'm out of my fucking element right now. I'm out of my element. But at the same time as a producer, like is legitimately one of the best electronic music producers in the world. It's not Absolutely. my favorite music, but be a fool to say he's not like a pillar of electronic music production. A pillar. Just a little too wet for my taste. It's a little juicy. It, I, like a, I like a dry EDM, you know? When I was at the Tipper event, I remember I kept smelling something really weird. And I was like, yep. I was like, no, are they the, all smoking mids? Is it the people? No, I was literally <laughs> like, are they smoking like really bad weed? And like, I was in Florida. Florida is terrible. And yeah, like, oh, yeah. I was like, is this just like disgusting, like not real weed? <laughs> yeah. And then my friend was like, no, that's DMT. It was like, oh, are they shit. burning a tire in the middle of the <laughs> Is that a tire fire? I right know. Is that a tire fire? Yeah, oh, I've God. smelled DMT before I ever smoked it. I smoked DMT once. Uh, as someone who doesn't like tipper, I also don't love tripping that much either. Used to be my thing, but I'm not 16 and on drugs anymore. I mean, know? what is it like? I mean, is is doesn't it just it's like stop all encompassing? Time? Yeah, it's it's all it can it's consumes everything around you like it's i don't know if you've ever smoked salvia i found salvia way worse and way more intense like dmt i don't know it's like it's an insane very intense trip that doesn't last that long and like i used to think something was wrong with me because i would eat a lot of hallucinogens and not have profound experiences and i was like oh maybe like my brain's fucked up or something but then i just realized like i don't know not everyone eats acid and like understands god some people just eat acid and it's like wee. yeah and same with dmt i smoked it like this was towards the end of me enjoying tripping all the time i used to trip all the time but i also didn't have responsibilities and was like unemployed and 18 years old like of course it was 18 fun. years old now being like almost 30 i'll like eat like a microdose acid and be like fuck my credit card bill like i got insurance bills going on like it's not it's not fun anymore. But you get so in your head. Yeah. And, and you're like in that hole where you just keep going down. I down, think of that and I'm like, imagine that on the floor at a show. I'm like, no. No, no fucking thank you. Like power to them. Respect it. But not my cup of tea. Not oh my cup my of God. DMT. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like now, though, I feel like, because you've done stuff with Dome of Doom, right? Yeah. Whose label is that? Wiley Cable. Okay. Fucking, I... Well, Die in the Hill, it's the best label. I love the music that Dumb of Doom puts out. Like, I put out this EP. It was, like, one of my, like, chill EPs. And then they did an Easy Baked EP. And then they did an EP of this really famous, like, historical flamenco guitarist from Spain who was, like, knighted in the country of Spain as being, like, an important musical influence. And, like, yeah, Dome of Doom released an instrumental of him playing flamenco guitar, like, a whole album. And I was, like, to be squished between, like, Easy Baked and a knight of spain who's like a god at flamenco guitar like that is how you know dome of doom is just good music like they don't give a fuck what the genre is like put out any if it's dope they'll put it out you know they did my friend's album my friend quarter's album she makes like cinematic house met her at the dome of doom takeover yeah uh, she's yeah and like it was just so dope yeah that's how we met we were talking about massachusetts liquor stores which are called packies 
And she was like, oh. And I was like, most people don't know that. I was like, Springfield. You know. She's, her set was so sick. that It was this Dome of Doom takeover. And it was like me and Genghis and her and Wiley back-to-back Ahi. Wiley Cable. It's called something fucker genre. It's something Where with the word it? fucker in it. it uh, at L.A., at this fucking venue, this warehouse, I've played like three guys. 1720? Yes, 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 yes. 1720. It was like, yeah, Genghis, Daedalus was there. Um, yeah. And I played that show and like all the members of Glitch Mob showed up and were in the crowd. Gaslamp Killer was there. It was like a terrifying moment in my life. Also, I played a down tempo set. So, as you know, oh. uncomfortable, horrified. All my idols are in the crowd. But Not they said really nice things yeah, afterwards, so. God, that was stressful. That was it. That was it. Oh my god. To be god. fair, I was around some of my best friends. It's much easier when you're like around your best friends. I, I'm someone that it's hard when my friends are there. It, I see. I was it's like cool, that. It's cool, but it's hard for me, and I'd rather be in front of a lot more people that I don't know. Oh, see, I'm the opposite because I'm like I'd rather be in front of like if I fuck up, my friends will be nice to me, but like strangers. And I'm not yeah, looking, for, I don't want the reality check. Like, if I do bad, don't tell me. Don't Just tell be me. like, get him next time. Like, I, I don't want to hear if I did bad. So, so I like being around my friends because they're really nice to me. Well, and it's like also every show's like not going to be perfect. I think that's like I a reality too. I think I've played maybe two shows that I would t- say perfect. Yeah. And I've played like 900 shows maybe. There's yeah. One or two that have been perfect, 300 that have been fire. A lot of them questionable. It's just, you know, it's the way she goes. So you've been doing this for like eight years? Ten yeah. Years. The, so the first out-of-state show I ever played, I was 17. I was still in junior year of high school. That's the year I dropped out of high school. Okay. See, that's what I'm saying. My parents that's were like, wild. I was like, hey, I dropped out. I want a DJ. They're like, okay. <laughs> like, the fuck? They're like, here you go. But yeah, this dude hit me up on SoundCloud in Lake Tahoe. He DM'd me. He's like, hey, can I give you like, can I give you money to play these three shows in Lake Tahoe? Like, one's at a dive bar, one's at this place, Whiskey Dicks. One was at Crystal Bay Ballroom and Casino. And the third one was at this weird little venue. It was all, like, along Lake Tahoe. Yeah, yeah I, like, went out there, took time off school, like, did, like, got my assignments early. My parents drove me 17. out there. Yeah, I brought my girlfriend 16. at the time. And, like, the dude who booked me on SoundCloud, this is back when you just... SoundCloud era You just used SoundCloud. Oh. That's how I built my career. People just found you on SoundCloud. And I showed up at his house and knocked on his door. And he was like, how old are you? And I was like, 17. He's like, I thought you were, like... When someone shows up with their parents and their girlfriend and they don't, like, don't even have facial hair, he thought it was, like, 25 or something. Because he just didn't really ask. He was just yeah. like, oh, good beats. Can you come out here? And I was like, yeah, sure. I tried to play it really cool. Yeah. And I was like... I mean, no one had ever paid me that much or asked me to play outside of Colorado. So yeah, I went out there. You're like, he Let's was, go. he was not stoked because one of the shows was in a casino. Casinos don't like you if you're under 21. Oh, I was no. under 18. I was like, so funny story. I think I can tell this now because that casino doesn't exist. But like, they lied to the owner of the casino. They said I was 20 and I just lost my wallet and I was with my wife. This was my girlfriend. And I was like, yeah, I'm like, I'm young for my age. And like, I got to play my set and then leave immediately. But that's like all he could get out of them. They're like, he can go in the building through the back door to DJ and immediately get off stage. So that's what I did. And I came back to school and I was like, I'm a shit. Ah. Yeah. And then I'm oh a God. Didn't work for a long time after that. But you know, <laughs> there's, there's that thing that happens when you play your first good show and you're like, this is it. Like, 
my life will never be hard again. Yeah, yeah. You know, but I learned. I learned. It's, it's definitely those learning curves, those ups and downs. Yeah. Those forward and backwards. And like now you have the big Toronto face. So you just kind of started, right? Um, yeah, we, well, minute? sort of. We had a, the first date of the tour was a festival that got canceled because of the hurricane. It was in Maine. Oh, shit. And uh, hurricanes mean. What's you know, going on, man? I, ironically enough, I think nothing bad happened, but they were playing it safe. Mm-hmm. They should. I would have been like, I'm from New England. I enjoy it, but no one wants to get stuck in Maine, you know? No. So then, yeah, the first official date hasn't really happened because the second date was me doing that water park show, but that was like a memory palace takeover without yeah. Todd. So, like, hasn't been a Matt and Todd show yet, but. Okay. Uh, not this weekend. Next weekend is the first one. And Memory Palace is your all's label. Yeah, it's like, uh, so it's of the trees label, and it's like me okay. and Essex and Freddie Todd. Ooh. I think they just did a Lenny EP. Liney? Liney. 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 Yeah, he's a shit. I just played a show with him. That um, dude, very he's a, little, he's a little beast. He's got a little curly hair. I remember the first time I heard his music, and it was like another one of those, like, <laughs> like that's how, that's like, how God I, damn it. It's how getting I better. Gauge. That's luckily like most of my friends when I hear their music, it's like deeply upsets me in a way. So I'm like, yo, I'm so lucky to have so many talented friends. You're like, here we go. Yeah, here you go again. Yeah. Cause right when you finally like, I made something dope. It seems like you're this guy and you're like, I don't wanna I don't wanna hear this guy. You're like, I don't wanna I don't wanna, yeah. but we're here. Isn't it is it crazy for you to see how like this sound that's predominantly been like underground is like not so underground yeah it's i mean it's i've i guess i've done it long enough to see the the weird like layers of it like i remember when like imagine dragons put out that song that was like womp 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 and had like womp sounds in it and me and all my friends were like dubstep is mainstream and like no that wasn't dubstep being mainstream and then like scion had a dubstep song in a commercial and we were like dubstep is mainstream it's like 2012 like that wasn't like, you still couldn't sell 300 tickets to a show. But now, like, people are like, oh, my favorite underground artist. It's like, this person also sold out three nights at Red Rocks or something. It's like, I hate to break it to you. But 35,000 <laughs> tickets is not as underground as you think. <laughs> so, like, I really think it is much more mainstream. But I don't yeah. know if it's mainstream. I think there's just, I think the underground has grown, in a sense. The you underground know? has Because it's still not super commercial. Like, it's, like, I in restaurants in Denver, I hear, like, of the trees and shit and like they play my like people's music i know like in nice restaurants and shit so that's weird but it's still not like i feel like every coffee shop i pass yeah the ones that i get yeah. to in the morning all the guys in the kitchen are like blaring music yeah. or they're like blaring dubstep yeah exactly like, oh, so shit, like okay i think that's way more important for the culture than like being afraid of imagine dragons using dubstep sounds in a song you know like yeah what the line cooks are listening to is far more valuable than what's, far more valuable. what's in like a scion commercial shout out the line cooks shout out to line cooks yeah. i know i i think that was my biggest shock when i came here was that like i only moved here a year and a half ago i can't imagine like being in your shoes and watching like the infiltration of denver just like yeah. grow to be this massive like music mecca for yeah. electronic music. I mean, I've personally always thought it was this way. It's never, it doesn't feel like it's changed because it's really? always felt like a, like, I mean, the first ever bass invasion was fucking Scream and Marianne Hobbs. And like Marianne Hobbs wasn't even a DJ. She was a DJ for BBC Radio One, who like was responsible for like putting dubstep on like FM airwaves in the UK. And like, 
Remember the she cast by Roscoe head- FM mixes? Yeah, and like she was a headliner. And like, where in the fucking world do you book a radio DJ as a headliner at a rave? Except like Denver. And like, yeah, like every bass invasion growing up like was like Caspa and then like the Inamine takeover with like dance and shit. Like it's always been so ahead of the curve. And I think that's just what's happening now. Like you have a big resurgence of people moving here, but there's still like a lot of Denver's like ahead of the curve in the sense where it's just like, being a little too heady also makes you really aware. Yes. <laughs> like, you know, all the really dope music going on. Like, to be fair, the best music I'm hearing right now isn't, like, big music, you know? Yeah. It's underground shit, as it always is, you know? Like, examples. Like, like what's the music let's you're see. really digging um, right now? Well, someone who's getting a lot of recognition, as they fucking deserve, Chef, Chef Boyer Beats. Yeah. Absolute king. Absolute fucking king. But then, like, older acts, like, distinct motive, like... Uh. That dude, I've been that that was like my day. Do you one see today? People, yeah, he announced the Subtronics tour, and he's on. Oh, really? Yeah, he's on oh the fucking Subtronics tour, and like that. What I'm fucking talking about, because like that dude, I've been That's playing. Massive. He's his, a legend. I he's, mean, he's a, a legend. I've been playing his music, and more people I know have been playing his music for longer than like anyone. Like people play big songs that are hits, but people don't realize like Distinct Motive. While he hasn't had like a hit. There's been more distinct motive in dubstep sets for the past like eight years. I was about to say, everyone plays anytime anyone throws like quote unquote underground shit, they're playing him. Yeah, literally. And you can hear it. Like, I've I've gotten very good at picking out distinct motive tracks because they hit harder than most and they're good. They're old fashioned to the point. Good I used to have that song that was like, dun, 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 dun. Oh, yeah, do you know what I'm talking about? I don't yeah, know the yeah, song yeah. now. But when I first started DJing, it was like all underground shit. And I was just DJing in my college dorm room. Yep. And I was just like, damn, like this is so good. Yeah. No, and it's even like to this, like on Twitter yesterday, someone shared a video and they were like, is this unreleased blah, blah, blah? And it was a distinct motive song. He like reposted it. He was like, this is my song. I was like, here we go. Like again, it's always distinct motive. Like always, and now is he from the states or is he's he... Canadian? Okay, yeah. got it. But he so distinct motive was two people for a long time. One of them lived in Michigan, Josh, and then Phil lived just north of Michigan. That's why they you know, got it. Did that thing. makes sense. But now it's just Phil, and uh, now he's on Subtronics tour, doing dope shit. And I mean, I saw him the other day in Denver. It was he was here for what show was that? Cursa, Cursa, that's hieroglyphics and. and yep. Fuck, the opener was really sick. Dude, Denver gets remember. blessed. I know, it was insane. There like, was like Hamdi, there was Cursa. I think, was it Casper just Black here Box? or something? Yeah. yeah, and Sicario. Like, that's Sicar- what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, that's like, not only does Denver get Hamdi, they get Hamdi at Black Box. Like, that's a, such a Denver thing. Like, that doesn't happen anymore. And then, like, you know? we just had Scream at Black Box. Yeah, yeah, ago. like, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's, not only are you getting, like, you get shows Legends. that don't go anywhere else. Yeah, you get shows that don't go anywhere, and they also go to one of the, like, best-sounding venues in the fucking country. You know, I haven't been to Black Box yet. I've been You're really trying out. to go. I was going to go for Scream, and then I had to I had to fly back home, and, like, I want to go for the perfect show. Like, yeah. I know that, like, any show there is going to be great, but, like, I want, like, a pristine A1 event. The best artists I've seen at Black Box and, like, Epoch, Yep. was life-changing in Black Box. Komodo, not that long ago, was one of the best shows I've ever seen. Like, Just pick like one of those one legendary artists and go. And like, the cool thing is, a lot of shows like that, you can just like host up in the back of the room. Like, It's really nice going is it to- Is it because it's so loud and like the sound system or like what, well, like, no, what makes Black Box like Black Box? It's not loud. It's like pristine. It's like the sub hits, 
but it doesn't hit in a way that's overbearing. That's you gonna don't, kill you. You, sh- you should wear earplugs, but it's not like, oh, this is, ow, this is so fucking loud. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, the, this, the sound system was custom built for that room. So they like shaped the room, treated it, and then had sound and shit. Built the speakers and sat in there tuning them for like months. So it's it's literally like the best sounding space you can stand in in hundreds of miles probably. And like, yeah, it's nothing compares to hearing like a have good you heard, song. Have you played Black Box? Oh, yeah, yeah. I've yeah. done because when I Black Box opened, I think like six years ago. Okay. And I was still like half local at that point. So Got I like, did a lot of openings like. I did a down tempo set with Shrimp Nose at Black Box uh, like last year. So ironically enough, Black Box system was a little too dope for down tempo music. Like, really? It knocked really hard. And I was like, this is like, I don't know if this is right. Like, it sounded yeah. good. Don't get me wrong. But it's like, it's you, don't need, That's, um, you don't need it's... some of that thick for like Rhodes pianos yeah, and yeah, shit, you yeah, know? Yeah, 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 yeah. But like, yeah, playing dubstep at Black Box, there's no, there's nothing that compares. And you can play music you can't play anywhere else, you know? It's just like you get that shit hits like 20 hertz and you can like feel it. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's the perfect frequency to just hit you. I've been to a lot of speaker stacks in countries or in like in different cities and like they hit. CPK, all that shit. Nothing fucking hits like black box, you know? I gotta I gotta wait for the right opportunity. I keep my eyes open. I just wanna go and be like blown away. They also have the lounge is really good. They have a lot of like Cool local squads. They have like footwork nights at lounge and shit. Like, I think they do jungle and shit. So, oh, jungle. There's lots fun. of good like representation. I saw you were making some jungle. I made some dude. jungle. I've I made been jungle. on that wave so much. I, I fuck with it's. I feel like it's. I mean, you saw Rampage is coming to yeah. the United States. Yeah. That's a big. That's a big. Okay, if they they give the green light, something's going on. <laughs> yeah, kind of yeah, it's a good sign. And then you know, like you're getting like all of these like influence is finally crossing over whether it's from like Romano or Prosper yes. or those more commercial guys yep, to yep. the underground doing you know jungles and like I hope like MCs become a thing here oh like my I God. hope you know like there's yeah. so much of like yeah. untapped shit from overseas that have not reached states yeah and it's funny because I think in a sense they have right they've reached it just enough for people to want them yes. to come here like it's They've reached it in a You're sense right. where it's like you get like you get like a taste of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's what I want. Yeah, like, yeah. I awesome. think that's kind of what we're seeing, like with like Glitch Mob doing more like '90s dance music and shit. Like People we're getting want this, different shit. This is all stuff that's been like popping in Europe and stuff. And now I think, I think it's like when you look at the way art works, right? Everything is usually in retaliation to what the state of current art is. Like right now, like EDM is big. And you have like big screens big. and big speakers and pyrotechnics. It's basically and, like, a band at yeah. this point. And it's like when photorealism and painting got big, literally the next era was like abstract. We were like, instead of a photorealistic person, I'm going to paint a blue square. And like, I think that's what happens with all art. Like EDM is so big and overstimulating. People are like, hey, let's just go back to like DJ, no visuals, loudspeakers, Strip back music, like it makes sense, you know. It's like it feels like the next logical step in the progression of art as far as like music goes. So, I've always said that, like, when I get the opportunity to do like my first like headline run, like a legit tour, not yeah. like one offs, like, yeah, yeah, like yeah, a yeah. real like the, tour. Yeah, I want to do just lighting and I want to do visual installations, but like in front of me, yes. not LED, yes, walls. yes, because, yeah, because I feel like 
lighting is just so powerful. Example, when Skrillex came to Red Rocks, was there an LED yeah, wall? You exactly. bet there wasn't. Exactly. You know? Exactly. And like, I love that through Skrillex doing that, it gives- People took notes. People were like, damn, gave, okay. Not just people were like, oh, this is so cool, but it gave like artists the confidence to be like, I spent the past few years panicking because I'm like, I need- to get visuals made. Visuals. Like, and they're so goddamn expensive. And you don't and want shit visuals. No, you know, I like. I spent so much fucking money on visuals. And I don't even know if I'll use them at this point. But it was because I was like, I have to. Like, I can't. I can't compete with no visuals. And like, <laughs> thank the fucking Lord that Skrilly came through Red Rock. Skrilly. And was like, hey, you can just have red lights. I was like, that's what I've been trying to say. But I'm not Skrilly. So it doesn't matter as much. But. <laughs> He's right. He's fucking right. So, like, yeah, it's... Sometimes people just want to listen. That's what made me fall in love with, like, live sound system music was just not... He couldn't even see the DJ. Didn't even know what they they looked like. Like, I I don't want to be stared at by a group crowd. Like, leave me alone. Like, enjoy each other's presence. Well, especially from, mix. like, a female standpoint. Like, I have Maddie O'Neill coming on for a second time next week. But during our first conversation, it was like, you know, she's been doing this for so long. Yeah, she's, she's been there since the beginning. Colorado, like, she's the been beginning. in Colorado for a fucking second. And she was killing it when I was just yep. young. Like, yep. yeah, she's yep. been... Yeah. And, you know, it's come to this point where you almost have to choose. It's like, are you going to be, like, the quote-unquote, like, star and, like, focus where you want everybody to look at you and you're going to have camera on you yep. while you're on stage and you're yep. going to be manipulated and you're going to be the visual or do you want it to just be about everything else but you and this it's is hard. where it full circle back to what we were talking about earlier where it's like do you choose what is comfortable or do you choose what like you know is right but is scary and people might not fuck with and it's just like yeah i i don't disparage people for choosing the comfortable way there's nothing wrong with that like fear is hard to deal with Yes. I don't blame anyone for choosing the easy route. Especially you know? in this route where yeah, there's so much Exactly. Fear. Like, I get it. It's stressful enough, like, trying to do something that might not work. So trying to do something that kind of has a, not a guarantee that it will work, but, like, you know, making something that, you know, people already like is, it will work, you know, but maybe making something that you really like, but you have no idea if anyone else will like, that could completely fail and be a waste of time or it could solidify your spot you know? and i feel like more times than not it takes a while to catch on like you're gonna oh. have this sacrificial period where like people are gonna just be like what are you doing i the first ever <laughs> headline tour i did was with yeti and oh i was like deep dubstep and I were you are you part of the trifecta? No, Trifinity. Okay. Yeah, yeah, no, that's so that's Yeti <laughs> yeah. and Toadface who are okay, brothers, okay, and then okay. their friend Steven, Mount Analog, and they all they met in like third grade. Bro, I saw so that they're one like, time when I was like that shit. I saw it at what was it? The Unts. Where they gave that out the was, pamphlets. That was my college years. We we road tripped at we flew into Denver and then we road tripped through Utah into into california yep and then went all the way up to wherever the fuck it takes place and it was the early days it was before oh yeah Unks had real like real commercialized oh, yeah. acts like, oh yeah i remember I, space jesus was odds. like right next like just speaking of space <laughs> jesus was like right next to us like popping champagne like monday morning like like fucking just like yeah. crazy shit that yeah. you don't see anymore and it's funny because the aunts like even pre-festival was still just like the aunts was like the blog that put on dope 
underground music. Yeah. And then the stage was like the size of this room. Oh, yeah. You know? And then like the Trifinity like come out in robes with a tinfoil pyramid. And like I remember Freaky. the I remember the theme of that set was like they somehow kill Mount Analog on stage. There's like fake blood. And then they make everyone touch the pyramid and then hold it over him and it brings him back to life. And I was like, bro, these kids are going to believe you. Like, some of these kids are on enough things to where they're going to, they like, a lot of us are like, this is funny. And I was like, there's going to be one kid. I saw it once and I was like, one time is yeah. enough. And they're doing it uh, with Spongle in Denver. I forget the date, but it's like oh, they're, like they're direct up. support. Oh, it's got to be the Fillmore. I assume it's a Fillmore. It, I but mean, it's a theatrical endeavor. Yeah. And I assume, I mean, this is years later. They've probably been planning the shit out of that. Like, so. I, I in my mind, I'm like, you've got like act one. And they come <laughs> yeah. out and it's all yeah. of a sudden you've got act two it, intermission. Well, like, if I was Spongle, I don't know if I'd be ready to go on after them killing someone and then resurrecting them. Like, Bro, and I don't want to give away too much. They told me a little bit about what the set's going to be like. I mean, I love Yeti. I oh. love Yeti. I when I saw no Yeti, like him, no one like him in the world. Like, I I really fucked with his sets for a really long time. Yeti is the perfect example of like everything we just talked about, where he does not feed into anything that's not to a T him and just like him as a person. Like he yeah. is the most Yeti person in the world. He does like there's no one you can compare him to and no one he can compare himself to because he's like no one like him when and i was still does a resident not at ritz that. that was the first underground artist they ever brought on the main deal Sick. and i was just like I, I looked at the talent buyer and i was just like Yo, i don't know how <laughs> this is gonna go and uh, people loved it yeah and they well, loved it so the first tour i ever did was with yeti and like at this point in my career i was like trying to just like fucking dick ride sound design so hard like how complex can i make sound design and then like throw everything else musical yeah yeah and then like <laughs> me and yeti get some shows together and he like plays crack the window and crack the window is just like 808 and like and i'm like having this existential crisis because i'm like i spent so long learning sound design and this fucking dude comes up and just goes like and i was like this is twice as impactful as anything and i've ever made it. and like that's it's in the simplicity. Yeah, it is. And like, that's, he taught me through touring with him, like the power of just like, that's something I'm still learning is the power of just like good songwriting. Like you don't need bells and whistles, you know, which it's, it's hard reverting because I spend a lot of time trying to be only bells and whistles. And yeah. I'm like, okay, take a step back. Like little Find snake, little snake exists. I can't do that much sound design. So like, Let's tone it down and do less sound design, but make the small amount more impactful. Fucking hard. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking difficult. But I always thought Dan Peekaboo was really good at that. Oh, when yeah. He kind of came on the wave, and I was just like, the simplicity in it, but yeah. still the impact of it yeah. is just massive. Same with Distinct Motive, too. Again, it's like all these dudes who make these fucking songs that are like anthems, they're so simple. And like, even like Of the Trees, like the Owl song, it's like, I watched him record that owl on his back deck. It's literally at just the owl. And he like put it over an 808. And it's like, ooh, ooh. And I was like, this is good. I always go forget off. he lives here. And then I saw him at the pump show and I was like, dude, I always forget. Cause I feel like I'm not as involved with like the the really experimental. Yeah. Like everybody yeah. out here who's in that little crew is like really in that crew. Yeah. And and I forget how many people live out here. Yeah. Well, and it's crazy because like, yeah, and then Black Carl and Vector just moved out here. They oh, so he here. moved here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. Both- 
Because I saw him at the Res show, and I yeah. was like, oh, did you, like, just come out here for yeah. the show? Yeah, I, I sat in the trunk of a car on the way to the Res show with them. Oh, my God. We're already, they've been here, like, a month. We're getting in it, but. Podcast yeah. with him would be fun. That'd be a shit get them on. They fuck, you, well, you got to get them together. Together? They're, okay. they're, they're a duo. Together. All they're right. heard. a lot of fun. They're a, very fun. And Black Carl was like, we got to get you on Ableton. And I was like, bro. You're on FL, right? Yeah, I'm on FL. Doesn't FL have like, oh my God. (laughs) Doesn't FL have like some dope updates? Not that you're going to get them. Oh, first of all, I use very unupdated version. Okay. Um, But yes. And so like I use an unupdated version of Fruity Loops, but I also still use like modern VSTs. Yeah. I'm not like. I think some people confuse that, and they're like, "I started oh, in like, Reason, so I." Yeah, yeah, like, you get, yeah. Like, it's yeah. when I started. Like people were like either in Reason or Logic, or I think there's three people using Cakewalk by Sony. Oh my god! Uh, well, when I first started, I used Acid by Sony because I saw that Rusco video. Yeah, where he's like, "Send your missus to the store, like get her nails done, like get yourself a <laughs> soda, light a cigarette." The time I smoked cigarettes in my studio, so I was like, "Okay, let's go, like light a cigarette." Use acid. A terrible, terrible, terrible idea. program. Terrible program. Not the best advice. Because me being fifteen, I was like, okay, I'll smoke cigarettes and drink soda so I can be a better producer. But oh, so I learned good. a lot. I learned a lot. I still think it's one of the best production tutorials out there. That's but, hilarious. You have yeah. to send that sweet because I've never watched. Oh, that. it that is. Sounds hilarious. It's good. It's old. It's like. I think it's uploaded on YouTube as like an archive, and like he's in like an attic, like it's a room where like his, he like the crouches and like his here. computer's like one of those white walkie like oh monitors. yeah yeah it's just, it had to be like 2007 2008 and technology's wild he makes rats in my kitchen which is like a classic like wah, 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 wah. Ruska it's like it's so sick it's so sick it's wild you and know. and like sitting down with some of those guys like the punk cases the virtual riots were like. They kind of came up and they're like, wasn't Splice and there wasn't presets. And there wasn't yeah. sound banks. And yeah. There wasn't anything. Yeah. And you had to like really like, you know, work on like sound synthesis. Yeah. Like actually yeah. design your shit from scratch. And it's funny because like while I think you can't take pride in that, like it is kind of wasteful at this point. Like I learned, spent so many years learning sound design and it's like, I'm not going to design some sound from scratch to prove that I've and to, like, when the consumer doesn't give a shit yeah like i'm proving it like oh cool now i know i can do something that i could already do like good job uh-huh. Matt. Like, yeah you're so looking in the mirror just like good job good like job for you. yeah so it's just you know and it's it's created a different world you know like there's i think more kismet's a good example of someone like they, i've been thinking of him or them the whole entire time they are the perfect example of taking a modern approach to like production where it's like they aren't sitting there like doing fucking meticulous sound design, but they are in a different way. They aren't sitting there like synthesizing shit from scratch. They're like resampling audio in such a way that's like they no one sounds like them. Like they started so young that there were no rules. Yeah, there was no tutorial. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was Omar and the computer. Yeah, and that's like that's such a prime example of that formula. Just, like working to a T. Well, well you shouldn't use Splice. And it's like, yo, I think this is how you fucking use That's Splice. how you, you do know? it. And yeah. I remember when they started putting out music, all of the producers were on Omar a lot oh, sooner. Immediately, than, immediately. Than I was like, singers. I was like, the 
are you fucking like and then you figure out that they were like 14 i remember my friend too kind showing me when when omar was 14 years old and i was just like wait what stings stings in here and when it got (laughs) to the consumer point it was it was like okay well what is this and then everybody started playing out Oh my god, yeah, Everyone no, and even I played some of their tracks for a bit, and like, to be fair, this was a few years ago, and my sets have definitely changed, I don't play shit that's that intense, but like, they have collabs with like, I think there's a Chuck Stutton collab, yep. and like, that's another way you can tell someone's got the respect of like, some fucking really good producers, their first album just has legends on yeah. the fucking collab, and yeah. my dumbass can't even collab with anyone, because I'm too, yeah, <laughs> but... Like, if I could collab with people, Chuck Stutt would be on the fucking list. And there goes that one. First album, just like banger, 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 banger. Insane. Some of them were screechy and loud. Some of them were like deep and hip hoppy. I was like, this is the next generation. This is the perfect example of the next generation. That would be correct. Because when I started this shit, the next generation was like Easy Baked and Shanghai Doom. And like, it makes me feel old, but like, they're doing it. Like, that's. Now they're like looking at the next generation. They're doing it. I remember just because I'm from Florida, when I was in school, I used to go to their parties and they would be playing with like on like Kadari CDJs in like the fucking kitchen. And then like you would have like Mock J pull up. You would have like all of these legends and they're just spinning in the kitchen like being like, this is never going to be a thing. Yeah. And and then look it up, you know? Kadari's the one who picked me up from the airport for marrying to, to the rave. I love And he was like, yeah. He like warned me. He was like, I'm not really part of this thing. Like, uh-huh. I'm, I'm, just, dri- so I'm just driving. <laughs> my fuck. That's my dog. Good. Uh, good man. Good man. Kadari's good people. Yeah. He's good people. All right. So what's next for you? What's, uh, what's um, on the come up? So much. I have. So I, I write a lot of music. So I have a fucking clogged back catalog so i have toad face ep that got announced yesterday for the tour so we did the tour because we made this collab so collab ep, EP. yeah okay, got it, got it, got it. half collab ep because it's two collabs and then two singles from each of us oh so, that's fun yeah that's a great way to do something we like didn't are like are we allowed to do this and wiley dome of doom like well, let's go it's good yeah you can do whatever you want i was like god bless you so yeah uh that's coming and then i have a memory palace ep coming I think it's going to be on vinyl. And those songs... That's exciting. My entire 2022 mini mix is that Holy P. And it's one of those where, like, I had to be patient. Because people were like, those songs are two years old. Like, where are they? And I'm like, I promise they're fucking coming. That's how I that's feel just with my how, EP. I'm ready to blow my head off. That's how labels work. And, like, I... These songs, I was like, I can't wait to put these out next month when I wrote them in the end of 2021. And, like, During now, COVID. They're, now they're coming out. And the thing is, like, that's a good test. If you can listen to your music two years later and not fucking hate it, like, good sign. Because, you know, God, there's some EPs I've been like, yo, should I pull this? But, so yeah, that's coming out of Memory Palace. And then repressing my old albums. So, like, Two Pairs of Eyes, I think we're going to annually. Like, so we did Little Castle Swim to Me last year around fall. And this year we're skipping because of the tour. But next year we're going to press the first one and then press the second one. So... My fucking release calendar is like that's so exciting. Tight. Yeah, it is. It's exciting and it's also exciting because it's music I've been trying to get out for years. So like I have to just suck it up and let it take forever. Let it ride. Yeah, exactly. So it's a little bit of everything. Some dubstep, some chill shit. You know, 
exciting. Yeah. You're going to be on the road yeah. with Toad Face starting next yep. week, was right? Best road companion. He's yes. very chill, relaxed, well-mannered boy. Love know. it. Couldn't ask for more. Any venues you're especially excited to play? Um, Yeah, definitely. I'm trying to think of them off the top. We're doing Aisle 5 in Atlanta, which oh, is cool. the first venue I ever like sold out as a headline. So I'm really, it's, that shit is a fucking vibe. I'm excited for that. I'm excited for the shows in Texas that are coming up soon. That's like with Ham promo and some other. They're good I, guys. It might be yep. both. It might be Austin and Dallas or both Ham, but cool. those always pop off. So Love it. Yeah. Well, dude, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank so you. I got to talk and chat. I had, Enjoy good. our warm beatboxes. Oh, it was warm. <laughs> Let me tell you, it was warm. These boxes retain temperature very well. They really do. They retain the heat. I love it. Well, Everybody listening, go catch you on Toe Face on tour. Bye, everybody. Bye, guys. See ya.